word of God would minister to you according to his will and his purpose in Jesus' name. Let me say just quickly before we dive into the word of God, I, I do want to thank you, Brother John Stone, for all you've done. You guys may not recognize, but Brother John Stone's taking care of all these little projects along the way, things you and I may not notice, um, but that matter and get done. So uh, some of you may or may not have noticed there's a crash bar on this door over here today. It's the same door, but now it has a, a panic bar or whatever they call that thing. So um, to use the words of Brother Lewis, so if this whole place is burning, you can run out there. Um, so, yeah, so we, we thank God for that. That's a, a small thing, but a necessary thing. And um, we had some small things like we had toilet paper holders that were falling out of the wall. And uh, Brother John Stone tackled that. I think Brother Jimenez might have even come along and helped with that little as well. And so I appreciate the ministry of helps. The ministry of helps. And so uh, thank God for that. And it's a blessing to the church. And it's needful. We know that God doesn't dwell in buildings, but he's given us one to meet in. And so we, we desire to maintain it. Amen. And to take care of this house of the Lord where we gather so we don't elevate a building. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. But we thank God for this place and we want to reverence the house of God. And I appreciate men and women that work in the ministry of helps to care for it. You usually come in and the building is clean and orderly and vacuumed, swept and wiped down and you have the Jimenez family to thank for that, their diligence and their faithfulness in that week after week. We honor them today, and I pray the Lord return a hundredfold for their giving of themselves. I mean that in Jesus' name. There's nothing we do in the kingdom that's small. There's no investment in the kingdom that's small. The Bible says to lay up treasures where moth and rust do not corrupt, and where thieves don't break through and steal. I never have to worry about identity theft when I invest in the kingdom. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. I, uh, I, I want to dive in the word. Um, I'm asking you, and I, I think many of you probably do this anyway, but I'm asking you to please... Go and this week do two things. Number one, maybe three things. Number one, I'm asking that you would read John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Read those three chapters, please. Don't read them in a hurry. Slow down. John 14, 15, and 16. The second thing I would ask of you is that you would go back and listen, view on, uh, as you know, we have a YouTube channel for those that can't be here in person or that want to go back later and view online. I'm asking you to go and view this morning's service, the first service, the 9.30 a.m. service. Um, I don't always ask you to do that. It's always there, but I, I'm asking you to please go back and view the first service from 9.30 this morning. It was Bible study and teaching. Not necessarily preaching, um, 
And I believe the Lord is wanting to give us greater revelation and understanding for where he's taking us as the church, the body of Christ. And so uh, I'm asking you to do that. And then finally, the third thing, uh, I'm asking you to consider strongly setting aside a day this week, if it's not your pattern, to sh- even if it is your pattern, set aside a day this week of fasting, waiting on the Lord, and allowing Him to lead you in prayer for your place and your function in the body of Christ. Amen? I give you my word. I'm praying that with you. In this hour that we live in, we must all find and walk in our place in the body of Christ. Our function in the body of Christ. And we do not compare because we all have different functions. We just seek to work. The word that comes to my mind, we seek to work in synergy. One body functioning together, working together, moving together, accomplishing the will of the Father. Getting our instruction from the Lord Jesus Christ who is the head and we are the body. Amen? So if you would, those three things, read John 14, 15, and 16. Take time to view and listen to today's first service and set aside a day of fasting. I really want to keep going where we were in the first service. I told them about 40 minutes in. I think I could go several more hours. Uh, I'm not going to do that. I felt the Holy Ghost turn on me a while ago. Not turn, but go a different direction. That sounded bad, turn on me. Um, And uh, so, by the grace of God, I want to be sensitive to Him. I'm not interested in delivering some prepared message. We need to hear from God. We need to hear from God. You don't need to hear from me. We need to hear from God. And I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is reaching to someone today. And so I'm, by His grace, going to seek to be available. Would you pray with me right now that He would talk to us? And that we would hear what he wants us to hear. Would you ask him of that today? I believe he'll answer our prayer if we'll pray with an open heart. Lord Jesus, we can do nothing of ourselves. You know each one of us. You know our frame. You understand our makeup. You've designed us, God. We are your people. It's you that has made us. We didn't make ourselves. We're your people. We're the sheep of your pasture. You know where each one of us are in life today, and you know our place in you. You know what you desire to say here today, Lord. I pray, God, speak with us, speak with me, speak to our hearts and our lives and our spirit by the utterance of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, I pray. Book of Genesis, I think, is where I'd like to go today. Genesis chapter... 45. We find in the book of Genesis here in these chapters when we start around verse 13, or verse 
chapter 37 all the way through the end of the scriptures in Genesis. We begin reading the history of the life of Joseph. This young man of whom many may have heard his father loved him above all of his brothers because he was the firstborn son of the wife. I hope I get the name right. Was it Rachel? <laughs> You're a blank for a second. Sorry. And so, of course, he was just Jacob. His father was deceived into marrying Leah. And so he worked another seven years for Rachel and he married Rachel and Leah kept having children once they were married. But Rachel couldn't have children. But Joseph was came. The Lord touched Rachel's womb and Joseph was born. And so Jacob loved Joseph above all of his brethren, the Bible says, and, and uh, made him a coat of many colors, which was an expression of his love. The fact that the coat would be woven with so many colors and the expense that it would take to get all of these fibers of different colors. So this spoke of the love that Jacob had for Joseph. And so not only did his brethren know that his father loved him more, but he had a coat that expressed how much, and they saw it all the time. And Joseph was chosen of God. We understand the Old Testament name Joseph and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, how similar they are between Hebrew and Greek when we look at them. And Joseph is hated by his brethren. And because he's hated, and bear with me just a minute, I'm saving you us reading eight chapters right now. So because he's hated by his brethren, they begin to plan and connive and look for a way to the thought enters their heart of killing him. You know, there's a pattern of comparison among brethren that if I don't deal with that spirit of comparison, it'll lead to wanting to destroy my brother. Cain compared how God responded to his offering to Abel. and He kept, couldn't get past comparing with his brother. All he had to do was make a right sacrifice. But he brought it up between him and his brother. It really was between him and God. But rather than deal with God, he judged his brother and killed him. That same spirit that would compare and seek to destroy because of how God deals with one part of the body versus another. That spirit's destructive. And so that spirit comes on his brethren and they sought to kill him. And so... One day, Joseph takes food out to his brethren. They're out tending the sheep, and his father asks him to take some food to them, and he goes off looking for them. And he, on his journey, he finally finds them, and they see him coming from afar off. They recognize the coat, perhaps before they recognize the face. And they see him coming, and they begin to talk amongst themselves. This is our opportunity. This is our chance. Let's take his life. We won't deal with this young kid anymore. We'll be past him. And, and so one of the brothers, Reuben, I believe it was, spoke up and said, no, we can't let this happen. We can't kill him. And he, he convinced them that that wasn't the thing to do. And, 
And so they found a pit and said, let's, let's put him in this pit instead. Let's not kill him, but let's... And so they did that, and but somehow, some way, I don't know, Reuben went off somewhere or something. I'm not sure exactly what took place. And on my memory, anyway, the scripture records it. But And along come some slave traders passing through where they were tending sheep. And these slave traders passing through, the brothers say, you know what, why should we just leave him out here to die, or why shouldn't we get something out of this? If we're not going to kill him, let's at least sell him. Let's profit from him. And so they made the decision. And again, Joseph's life is filled with types and shadows. Joseph, of course, is a type and shadow. He was a real man. He lived. We read his story. But Joseph is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. He was rejected by his brethren. And Joseph was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Maybe. 20. Joseph was 20. He was sold for 20 pieces of silver to these passing slave traders. And again, a type and shadow of Christ being sold by Judas, by his own brethren. And so we see Joseph's life. He's sold. He's sold into Egypt. Egypt, a type and shadow of sin, place of bondage. And again, we see the type and shadow of Christ. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we would be made the righteousness of God in him, we read in Corinthians. And so... Joseph is sold into Egypt. There he comes into Potiphar's house and Potiphar has purchased him as a slave and Potiphar uses him. But Joseph, because he's a child of God and maintains his integrity with God, God begins to promote him in Potiphar's house. And and there Potiphar puts him over all of his house, but as the adversary would have it, looking for a way to destroy a chosen one of God. The adversary puts it in Potiphar's wife's heart to seek to commit adultery with Joseph. She desires him. She's looking on him. She's constantly trying to seduce him, constantly trying to seduce him. Until one day, Joseph makes a mistake and ends up in the house with her alone. And there he is, and he's with her alone, and she's trying to seduce him, and she lays hold on him. When she grabs him, Joseph, recognizing the danger in which he's in, wrestles out of the coat that he's in, leaves the coat in her hand, and flees from the house. This woman, scorned and rejected, decides to turn the story and lie. And again, we see the type and shadow of Christ where people made false accusation trying to destroy him. And so she lies and says when Potiphar comes home holding the coat, she says to him, This servant, this Hebrew slave that you brought into our house, he tried to take advantage of me. And when I cried out, he fled from me, but I've kept his coat to show you. And so the lie was spun and Potiphar believed the lie and had Joseph cast into prison. Joseph's life, which seemed to have so much promise, has gone from a pit to Potiphar's to a prison. You think you've had it rough. You think you've had a bad few years. It's getting worse and worse. And most history bears out he was probably in prison 12 years. And you start digging and looking. He's had it rough. But in prison, in prison, 
Joseph begins to maintain his integrity with God. Or continues, not begins, continues to maintain his integrity with God. And God elevates him to where he's now over all the prison. And an opportunity comes, he interprets some dreams, he looks for a way out, says, hey, when you get in front of Pharaoh, remember me, remember me. But it wasn't time. It wasn't time. So you see, all up until that point, Joseph's brethren throwing him in a pit was the plan of God. The slave traders coming by right at the time that they did was the plan of God. Joseph ending up in Potiphar's house was the plan of God. Joseph ending up in prison was the plan of God. All for the positioning of God's purpose in his life. Some of us need revelation about God's positioning for his purpose in our life. Woe is me. I wish this was different. I wish I, wish I would learn to stop asking God to make it different and start praying, God, show me your purpose in this. Show me your plan in this. I trust you're working here. We sang that, you hold my world in your hand. I'd change it a little bit. You hold all the world in your hand. You have a plan, the end from the beginning. You're the alpha, the omega. You're the author. You're the finisher. You understand what you're doing. Give me understanding of your purpose. And God, even if you don't give me understanding of your purpose in this, I'll trust you. Because you're God. And I'm not. And I may not understand now, but I'm staying the course. Like Joseph, I'm going to maintain my integrity. And I trust in time, God. You'll open my understanding. And as long as your purpose is served, so be it, God. I'm afraid we may spend too much time wrestling, trying to get out of the pit and out of the prison when God's got a planned time. Paul spent a large majority of his life in prison. He also wrote over half of the New Testament in prison. The Lord knew, I got some things I need this man to write. And if I don't put him in a place where he has to be still, he'll just keep going on these missionary journeys and I'll never get him stopped. I'll just put him in prison and when he can't go, he'll write. Because I'm going to inspire him to write. We're not going where I thought we were going here. We haven't even made it to where I said go yet. Paul's prison served God's purpose. Somebody needs to hear that today. Paul's prison served God's purpose and I'm going to tell you Paul wasn't getting out of that prison until it was God's time for him to get out of that prison Joseph wasn't getting out of that prison now we don't like that word prison right We're like, hold on a minute well change it I don't care what you want to call it Paul's place that seemed to restrict him that's what some of you are wrestling with I just, I could tell some of you are like, well, I don't have a prison. I'm not in prison. I'm free. 
Paul's place that seemed to restrict him. Joseph's place that seemed to restrict him was serving God's purpose. Sometimes we can put so much energy and effort in trying to break. Man, this is so restricting. This, this is that. And you, you can fill in the blanks. I'm trying to avoid particulars because somebody might think I'm picking on you. And I don't know anything about nothing right now. But I'm just telling you, that thing that seems to be holding you captive, that seems to have you restricted, maybe you need to pray a little different and see God's purpose in it. He was doing something in Joseph. He was doing something in Paul. He was using them. Peter and John were in prison. You read that? Or not Peter and John. Paul and Silas. Peter and John were too. But Paul and Silas were in prison. Maybe you read about that. They'd been beaten. Probably a little bloody, a little banged up, a little ripped up skin, a little painful. You ever been beaten before? Don't raise your hand. Beaten to the point of bloody, ripped skin and flesh? Ever had a cut or rip or tear in your flesh and had something press on it? Trying to protect it? Maybe a little dirt get in it and you rub it and you're like, ah. Paul and Silas beaten. And then they got put in prison. They were thrust into prison. And then they got, just in case that wasn't enough, they were put in stocks and bonds with their beating. And we got it bad. Paul and Silas, it was about midnight. I don't know what the stocks and bonds look like, you know, I sort of picture. I don't know if they were sort of sitting like this. I don't, I don't know if it was like this. I, you know, you see all kinds of pictures. I, I don't know what the stocks and bonds were like, but, but they were locked up. And clearly they were, but something came into their spirit. Something was in their spirit. These men full of the Holy Ghost having been beaten for the name of the Lord, there at midnight, when most normal people would be sleeping, hint, hint, if you stay up late, uh, Paul and Silas decided, you know what? We should just sing. What? Yeah, let's sing. Let's just start praising God. In our prison? Yeah. Let's just start worshiping God. Really, in prison. Yeah. And in their place of restriction and bondage, they just begin to praise. And as they begin to praise, the Lord said, man, you know what? I think that's exactly where I wanted them. I got them right where I needed them. And all of a sudden, a move of God came through that prison and chains fell off of every... Read it. Not just Paul and Silas. Every person in that prison, the chains... Spirit of God manifested himself because Paul and Silas were right where God wanted them. Prison was God's design for their life. And why was prison God's design? Because there was a jailer over there in the other room that was supposed to be watching them all. And this jailer from Philippi happened to be sitting in the other room and he sort of dozed off. I mean, because he was sleeping at midnight, even though he was supposed to be working. And he dozed off and he wasn't expecting much trouble out of those people locked up over there in the inner prison with stocks and bonds. And even the singing apparently didn't wake him up. But they're singing and all of a sudden the Spirit of God moves, chains fall off, stocks and bonds are open, and he hears the rattling of chains and he Hears people free and he wakes up with a start and he sees these ones I'm responsible for are free. And the Bible says the, Philipp, the jailer from Philippi took a, a sword and was going to kill himself rather than let the authorities kill him for not keeping them safe 
or keeping them locked up. Paul and Silas run into him and say, don't do yourself any harm. And all of a sudden, we see the purpose of their prison. Because that Philippian jailer does what hadn't been done yet. He washes their wounds. Still had dirt and junk in them. In the stocks and bonds. Why am I dealing with this? Trust me. I've got a man I'm trying to reach. And the man I'm trying to reach needs to wash your wounds. He's going to take care of you. i got somebody positioned to take care of you. But I've got you positioned in a place that feels restrictive. But there's a timing that's coming. And the Philippian jailer washed Paul and Silas' wounds. Took him to their house. Paul and Silas baptized his whole household. And then apparently they said, okay, you can take us back now. Because the next day the authorities came and they were in prison. Those things that, I don't know if this is clear to some of you as it is to me right now for somebody. That thing that seems so restrictive to you. You're kicking, fighting, screaming, yelling, hollering, trying to break out. I think it might change if you started praying, God, what's your purpose in this? Okay, God, I've been making it all about me. What's your purpose in this? See, Paul and Silas's prison wasn't about them. It was about the Philippian jailer. You see it, right? Paul's prison through his life wasn't about him. It was about you and I. And the word of God that he would pen that we can now read and receive ministry from. Thank goodness he didn't spend his whole life trying to figure out a way out. But he yielded to the process and the plan of God. And he realized, you can put me in a prison, but you can't bind me. You can put me in stocks and bonds, but you can't bind me. Brethren, you can throw me in a pit and you can send me to Potiphar's house and you can put me in jail, but you can't bind me. A child of God filled with the Spirit of God yielded to the purpose of God is never in bondage. Some of us need that revelation. A child of God filled with the Spirit of God in the place of God's purpose is never in bondage. Now, I don't even know if we need to read this or not. It took a long time to get here. Pray with me. Would you do that? In Jesus' name. 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 I think we are going to read this, but we're probably not going in the direction I thought we were. Genesis 45, and I think I'm almost done. Verse 1. 
So we've got the picture of Joseph. He's been in prison, but now the king had a dream. Pharaoh had a dream. The guy remembers, oh, yeah, there was a guy in prison that interpreted my dream. His name's Joseph. King said, go get him. He goes and gets him. Joseph interprets the dreams. Joseph is exalted to second in command in all of Egypt. A famine comes across the land. And his brethren are sent by their father to Egypt because they hear there's food in Egypt after seven years. They go and make one trip. And they meet this second in command who's harsh with them, not realizing it's their brother because they haven't seen him for so many years. And they definitely don't expect to see him in this light. He sends them back and he says, if you come again, don't come without that other brother you told me you have named Benjamin. And they return the second time because they need food. And they bring Benjamin with them. And they've come before Joseph again. And here stands Joseph seeing his brethren. And he can contain himself no longer. He has to reveal himself to them as they're standing. The ones who sent him to Egypt. And he's second in command. He has all power. He could do whatever he wanted to them. And he decides, I'm going to reveal myself. Verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, notice what he says, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. He wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. Joseph said to his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said to his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. They probably didn't like hearing that. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. For God, look at Joseph's perspective. For God did send me before you to preserve life. And he tells them what's going on. Verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all of his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste you, go up to my father, say to him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt, come down to me, tarry not. And you shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you, your children, your children's children, your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. And there I will nourish you. For there are yet five years of famine, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. Behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin that it's my mouth that speaks to you. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt. And of all that you've seen, and you shall haste and bring down my father here. 
Joseph got the revelation of the purpose of his prison. The purpose was the preserving of his entire family. Had it not been for Joseph's prison, Israel would have ceased as a nation. You understand? Famine would have destroyed the land. Why would Egypt choose to give food to Canaanites rather than keep it for themselves? Why would Egypt choose to give some of the best land, Goshen, to a group of Israelites, Canaanites at the time? Because God sent Joseph before to preserve them. His prison had a purpose. He just didn't realize the purpose until it was time. God's time. God's time. And I want you to understand something here as we finish. Would you stand with me? There's a critical element that we see here. You heard where we started. We talked about Joseph's brothers, Cain and Abel, how comparison crept in and so they sought to destroy their brother. And now Joseph's in a position to exact revenge. Is that a fair statement? He's in a position to deal with those who dealt wrongly with him, if you will. But notice Joseph's actions because he had revelation of the purpose of God. This is so critical. If I don't get a revelation of God's purpose for where I am, I'll harm the very ones I may be sent to save. If I don't get a revelation of God's purpose for why he has me in the circumstance and situation he does, I may use God-given authority and power for my own means and thereby violate God's plan and God's purpose. Joseph got a revelation of his purpose. Because he had that revelation, how he treated his brethren was very clear. He had a heart filled with forgiveness. And again, we see the type and the shadow of Jesus Christ. The very ones who sent him down. He could have destroyed. But instead, he sought to save them all. The Lord Jesus Christ, who. Sought to be destroyed by his own, who his own brethren sought to destroy and did on the cross. Rather than destroy them, gave up his life for the saving of their lives and mine and yours. Joseph got a revelation of his purpose. And so his heart was filled with forgiveness rather than bitterness. He could have had bitterness from his prison. He could have had offense because of his prison. He could have had anger and malice because of his prison. But once he got a revelation of the purpose, he had peace and forgiveness. 
Notice, when he decides to reveal himself, the first thing he does, everybody go out. What's he doing? I'm getting ready to express some things that nobody knows except the boys that are my brothers in this room. And so I'm not going to express it with outside eyes and ears looking and listening. Everybody leave the room except my brethren. He didn't seek to speak ill of his brethren in the company of others. He sent them out before he revealed himself. You feel that? He could have said, you were the ones that, he did say, you're the ones that sold me here. How do you think all of those Egyptian servants would have felt about that when the second in command was saying, these here are the ones that sold you? He didn't let them hear it. He sent them out first. And you want to know how much Joseph was dealing with? He began to weep and sob and cry. And it was so great of a weeping and sobbing that the servants that had been sent out to whatever room they sent to, they heard it. They didn't know what was going on. But he had a heart filled with forgiveness because he understood the purpose of God. If we don't get a revelation of our purpose, we'll get a heart filled with hardness, bitterness, anger, malice. The answer is to allow God to offer forgiveness, wash us with a spirit of forgiveness like came over Joseph so that he could fulfill the purpose of God. And I feel the Holy Ghost. For some of you in this room right now, the only thing keeping you from your fulfillment of the purpose of God in your life is you have yet to fully forgive. In the name of Jesus, Joseph willingly forgave his brethren. He said, everybody out. I'm going to reveal myself. And then he went further than that. They were, they were afraid. Fear came on their heart. They didn't know for sure. If he, they didn't know what he was going to do. He revealed himself, but they still had fear because they, wanna, they weren't sure. Maybe he sent us out to begin to really come at us. But notice, they were a distance from him. They were keeping some distance. Fear grips their heart. But notice his next words. Joseph said, come near to me. I'm not rejecting you. I've forgiven you. Come near to me. And notice, he fell on their neck and he kissed them. He's expressing his acceptance of them in spite of what they've done to him. There's forgiveness that's filling his heart because he recognizes his purpose in relationship to their lives. And if he'd held on to unforgiveness, the purpose of God would have never been fulfilled. Somebody lay hold this morning on what the Spirit of the Lord would declare. The purpose of God can be delayed or even missed if I harbor unforgiveness in my spirit. And the adversary, don't think for a moment, the adversary would love to get you to harbor unforgiveness towards the very ones that God God would use you to reach. Jesus was the example. Joseph was the type and shadow. This is why Jesus said, 
if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. If you're going to accept my forgiveness for you, you've got to be willing to forgive. Joseph drew his brothers near, fell on their neck and kissed them. And then notice he said, go tell my father. What do you think they wanted to go tell their father? Of course not. Notice Joseph told them what to say. He told them what to say. He was protecting them from their wrong. Because his purpose was restoration, not destruction. His purpose was healing and salvation, not revenge and vindication. So he said, tell my father of my greatness in Egypt. And bring him to me. And you can keep reading through it. There's so many ways he had opportunity, but he removed them all. And if you read to the end of the book, and I'm done. In Genesis, if you're into the book of Genesis. Jacob dies. And fear comes back on Joseph's brethren again because their father's dead now. But Joseph understood his purpose. And they came to him, those deceivers, those connivers, there's still a little bit of that in the spirit. They came to Joseph and said, hey, before dad died, he said, don't do your brothers any harm. I would imagine Joseph going, why would dad say that? What, what did he know that I didn't tell him? And the Bible says Joseph wept. And he expressed to them, I'm going to care for you. And I'm going to care for your children. And I'm going to care for your children's children. What he had expressed to them even before he sent them for his father. God did this. It was his purpose. It was his purpose. God has a purpose for where you are. He has a purpose. Now you can say, I'm going to sit here and do nothing. Or you can say, I'm going to work right where I'm at while he reveals his purpose to me. Would you talk to him right now? I feel the Holy Ghost here. Would you be willing to respond to the very area that God is dealing with in your heart and life today? Would you be willing to be honest with him where he is so lovingly reached to you? Joseph, there's a purpose in your prison. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's positioning. It's greater than you. It involves you for sure, obviously. But it's greater than you, Joseph. It's the salvation of your family. It's the salvation of a nation. Do you trust me, Joseph? Do you trust me? Come on, let forgiveness fill your heart. Let forgiveness fill your heart somebody today would you be willing to receive say God I'll receive forgiveness from you so that I can give it freely as freely as I've received forgiveness I want it to flow out of my spirit Lord where I've held on to grudge or offense or bitterness or anger or frustration God I'm releasing it to you I receive of your forgiveness so that I can freely give as sure as you've forgiven me I'll forgive so that your purpose 
can be revealed. So that your purpose can be manifest through my life. So that your purpose can be done. And I feel somebody today, there's purpose waiting on forgiveness in your life. There's purpose waiting on forgiveness in your life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. How long are you going to hold it, Joseph? Potiphar's house was a long time. The prison's a long time. Let it go. Release it that the purpose of God can be revealed. Release it to the one who paid the ultimate price for my sin and yours. Release it to him. Forgive. Forgive. Forgive by the grace and the empowerment of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he's forgiven me and forgiven you, so let me forgive. How many years is enough? Come on, forgive and let the purpose of God be revealed. Forgive and let the purpose of God be made manifest. Forgive and embrace what God is doing. Come on, forgiveness doesn't justify the wrong. Forgiveness simply says, I'm not holding it any longer. As God has forgiven me, though he didn't have to, I'm forgiving in the way God forgave me. I'm not justifying wrong actions. I'm just purposing not to hold them any longer. I'm just purposing not to process them in my mind day after day. I'm just purposing to release them in the love of God, by the mercy of God that's been extended to me. I'll extend mercy to them. By the forgiveness of God that's been extended to me, I'll extend forgiveness to them. Come on, there's a work of the Holy Ghost happening in some hearts here today. There's a work of the Spirit. Some of you are getting answers. You just, you've wondered why, what, how long, what's going on. Come on, let the Holy Ghost heal. You can't do this in your own human effort and ability. It's got to be a work of the Spirit enabling us to forgive. It's got to be a work of the Spirit enabling us to forgive. The forgiveness of God working through our lives. Jesus, in your name, I'll not keep bringing it up because I'm releasing it. I'm forgiving. I'll not continue to revisit it with somebody or in my own thoughts because I'm forgiving. I'm not going to continue to hold it over someone's head because I'm releasing it and truly forgiving. Your purpose is greater than my restriction. Your purpose is greater. I want your purpose in my life. I want to see your purpose revealed in the earth. I want to see your purpose in my family. I want to see your purpose through this vessel. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I know you're praying. Keep praying. We can't move past the Holy Ghost here. We got to stay right where he wants us to be. If it helps you to have an altar, then turn your pew into an altar. Or if you'd like to use this altar up front, find a place with God. Find a place with God. This is between you and him right now. This is a work of God in your life and in mine. Allow him to do the work. Allow him to do the work. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. 
In Jesus' name. By your spirit, Lord. By your spirit, Lord. By your spirit, Lord. Come on, let the Holy Ghost examine every part of my life and yours. You may be saying, well, I didn't have any situation like Joseph. But sometimes it's just a small little thing that gets in that I just hold on to and refuse to release. It's not always some big thing. Sometimes it's just a little thing that gets in that I hold on to and I won't release. And I just, anytime I think about that individual, it comes back in my mind and I don't release them. Let the Holy Ghost wash over you. Let the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus wash over you and I. Let the blood of Jesus wash over Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Some of you today, you need to declare, Lord, by your grace from this day forward, I'll not hold it over that individual anymore. I'm releasing it to you. In faith, God, I'm releasing it to you. I don't know how it's working, but I'm releasing it to you, Jesus. No longer do I carry it. No longer do I entertain the thoughts. No longer do I allow the adversary to have advantage. But I release it to you in the name of Jesus. Come on, you're tearing down some advantages of the adversary. You're tearing down some advantages. The adversaries held things over you. But when you forgive and I forgive, it strips away the advantage of the adversary. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, there's healing power in forgiveness. There's finding of purpose when I forgive. Your purpose, Lord. Your purpose. Your purpose is greater than my pain. Your purpose is greater than my prison. Your purpose is greater. Your purpose, Lord. Your purpose. That's what matters. Your will, your desire, your plan, your purpose. In your people, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Won't let there be a determination come in your spirit by the work of God. It says today, by the power of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, I'm drawing a line in the sand. No longer, no longer. Declare some things to the adversary. You have authority in the Holy Ghost. No longer will you hold this over me. No longer will you hold me captive by this. I release. I forgive. No longer do I harbor the bitterness. I release it to the Lord Jesus today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Come on, this is so vital. It will affect every area of mine and your life. It will affect every relationship. It will affect every exchange. It will affect every interaction. Every area, you won't even realize until when God heals this, when you and I release and forgive, we'll get recognition how it affects every area of our lives. Come on, there's healing here. There's healing for you and I in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. This is a day of healing. This is a day of renewing. This is a day of finding purpose in the plan of God. In the name of Jesus. 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 name in Jesus name come on for some of you you're going I think I've forgiven everybody but the struggle in your heart is still forgiving yourself still forgiving yourself which is a receiving of the forgiveness of God for your situation but you don't know what I've done but you don't know the mistakes I've made you don't know what I've hurt you don't know how I've hurt people I don't but God does and he died for that so that you can be forgiven so if he's forgiven you you have to forgive yourself So for some, it's simply praying, God, by your grace and by your blood, I forgive myself. I forgive myself for wrong actions. I forgive myself, not because I deserve it, but because you died for me and I received the sacrifice you paid. I'll not reject your gift. I'll not reject your forgiveness, but I'll receive your forgiveness today. I'll receive the healing today. I'll allow it to work in my heart and life so that your purpose will be revealed and manifest through this vessel.
Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The Spirit of the Lord is here. Just receive of Him right now. He's going to be poor. He's the Spirit of the Lord shifting. He's getting ready to start pouring some things in. Revelation and understanding, I pray, according to your will and your word. Revelation and understanding given by you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We trust in you, we thank you, we worship you, O oh God. We acknowledge you, the giver of life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We wait on you. We wait on you. We worship you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I'd like us to do something before we go today. If you're here and your spouse is here, I'd like you to get with your spouse. I don't care if you're standing or sitting, kneeling, just get with your spouse. I'd like you to join hands or wrap arms or whatever works good for you. What we've witnessed today in the Holy Ghost is going to affect your marital relationship. It's going to affect every relationship. For those of you that are married, you're going to witness it probably first in your marital relationship. Right? So I want us to pray right now. I want you to pray one for the other. Okay? You're not praying for yourself. You're praying one for the other. Right? You're praying for the purpose of God in their lives. You're praying for the blessing of God in their lives. You're praying for the will and the work of God in your union. This consecrated, sacred gift of marriage that God has given us. Come on, would you pray right now? Please, I'm asking you. I'm asking you, pray. If you're here without your spouse, you can still pray for them. The Spirit of the Lord will work that way. And if you're here and you don't have a spouse, pray for your family. Come on, pray for your family. 
Begin to pray for your family. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, when you release and forgive, it will affect generations after you. It'll affect the next generation. When you forgive, you can break a chain, a cycle that releases the next generation. So come on, pray. Pray in faith. Pray in love. In Jesus' name, pray blessing. Pray purpose. Pray the will of God and the work of God in the name. Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. This will affect the spirit of your home. It will affect the spirit of your home. It will affect your children. In Jesus' name. We thank the Lord together today right now before we go. Thank you, Lord, for the sovereign work of your spirit and your word. Thank you for the quickening word of God. Thank you for the quickening of your spirit. Thank you for the miraculous, supernatural work of forgiveness and healing that you have wrought in our lives today and in the lives of those we've prayed and released Jesus, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the revealing and revelation of purpose that has begun here today and that will continue in the days ahead. I thank you for clarity that's coming to so many today and that will continue to be revealed in the days ahead as you confirm your word in their lives. We praise you, Father. We thank you and give you all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen. Aren't you glad you came to the house of the Lord today? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's how the adversary works. You'll leave here. And the adversary will try to find a way to bring that back. Something you forgave today and released. And you know because the Spirit of God moved on you and gave you grace to be able to forgive. The adversary will try to bring that back. He'll bring back a thought or a feeling 
or maybe even a word somewhere else that to try to get you to take back the forgiveness that you gave. That's called unforgiveness. Try to get you to undo what you just did today by the power of the Spirit of God and in response to the Word of God. He'll try to get you to unforgive. You recognize when that comes and you point back and you tell him, Satan, it's already forgiven and it's under the blood and I'm not taking it back. All right? You got a purpose. You got a purpose. I'm not taking it back. I have forgiven By the power of God working in me, I have forgiven. I'm not laying hold when the adversary comes. Amen? Praise God. Love you. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.